Thank you for making the effort to come and join us. You're very brave and very faithful. You want to turn to people around you and say that you're very brave and very faithful because it's been raining the whole day, right? And so thank you so much for joining us for our annual, yearly, New Year's Eve watch night service. It's a time to soberly look back, a time to expectantly look forward. That's what the watch night service is for all around the world as Christians gather. I pray that you have been blessed. Blessed by what? I pray they've been blessed by the worship in song. That was good, right? Led by Hui Yen and the musicians. Great is thy faithfulness. We look back soberly, sincerely, honestly, humbly, and know that God has been faithful to us. And then chorus of the safe. I pray you've also been blessed by the reading and the hearing of God's word. And last but not least, I pray you've been blessed by the honest testimony by Daniel and his father, Philip, as they listen to God and how God works in our lives through the worst of times and the best of times, our theme for today. So I met Philip many, many years ago when I went to preach at his church. And then years later, his son, Daniel, came and joined our youth fellowship because he found that the youth fellowship here fed him better spiritually and he grew more. From the time I met Philip, there was such a decency and sincerity about our brother Philip. Drove taxi for 34 years, raised three kids, provided faithfully for his wife, and then witnessed bravely, yet humbly, Every petrol kiosk he could go to, he would share the gospel, give a gospel track. And through all those years, a clean record as a taxi driver. Then all of a sudden, a blind spot, a mistake, a lapse, and a discretionary turning. Then charged with dangerous driving, jail, banned for five years, no more livelihood at 66 years old. What do you call that? The worst of times. When I was in Australia, in one of my sabbaticals, met a man uh, who worked as a gynecologist, practiced for about 20, 30 years. And by the time he hit his 60s, he had a case in which the woman sued him. And his words to me, I'll never forget, you work 30 years as a professional, you work 35 years as a professional, it takes one lawsuit at the end to end your whole career. The worst of times. Which leads us to ask and to think that life is full of lessons. And lessons can come from many sources. Lessons can come from the expected sources. And the standard expected sources is firstly, lessons come from your parents. Lesson then comes from your teachers. Lesson may come from your friends. Lessons may come from your enemies. But some lessons come unexpectedly to us. And the most unexpected source of learning is from time. But as we think of time as a teacher, you need to ask yourself, is, t is time a kind teacher or a cruel teacher? And that's what we're going to explore because all you and, I, uh, you and I have, life, your life is made out of breath. 
and your life is made up of time. You take breath away and you take time away equals to zero Chris, zero Ruth, zero James, zero all of us. That's all you have. Breath from God, time from God. Breath from God, time from God. There is nothing that you have. You and I live on borrowed time. And so we're going to cover this, this message tonight in three ways. First slide comes on. It's time and life. And then time in Jesus' life. And then in reflecting upon how Jesus lived his life and handled his time under God, we're going to explore what that means for us. As God graciously gives you a new year in about one and a half hours' time, if you survive this one and a half hours. And I say that because we never know what might happen in one and a half hours. And that's the reality of life. So firstly, time and us. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 is perhaps the most well-known passage about time. The most unexpected teacher of you and I. The writer of Ecclesiastes, he calls himself the preacher or the teacher. And he makes vital lessons about time and life. And so the preacher or teacher tells us that life is like a, like a swing. Why a swing? Oh, there's a time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, a time to pluck up, a time to kill, a time to heal, a time to break down, a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to moan and a time to dance, a time to cast away stones. You want me to carry on? You should have read that. It's one of the most beautiful passages of, of, of God's Word. You can read that, you can write that, you can share that, and maybe Daniel, that was part of his 20,000 words. And so, what's he saying? That uh, each of, all of us, we are like a, on a pendulum, on a swing, oscillating from one point to another point. And guess what? You're oscillating between human activities, you're swinging between human emotions, you're swinging between human relationships, and guess what? As you swing from one season to another season, one time to another time, you have no control over it. And that's a very important thing to take note. No matter how much you try to resist a time of tears, it will come. No matter how much you try to prolong a time of joy, it will end. No matter how much you prolong life, death will come knocking at your door. So you find yourself swinging on this pendulum, right? And for every season activity, there's an equal and opposite time and activity which totally reverses it. So look at the summary thing. A time to be born, a time to die. You believe that's true? It's absolutely true for everyone here. No one's going to escape that pendulum. A time to be born, a time to die, right? Death totally reverses birth which means there's a time for, to visit maternity wards, buy baby clothes, receive toys. There's also an equal and opposite time to do what? To visit funeral parlours, buy mourning clothes, and receive condolences. It cancels each other. A time to weep, a time to laugh, a time to mourn, a time to dance. So what is this pendulum or string of time teaching us? The key verse is verse 11. God has made everything beautiful in its time. What do you think this verse is saying? 
This is the possible meaning of this verse. The activities we engage in from day to day. So from morning this morning, what activities have you engaged in? You ate breakfast, some of you skipped breakfast, you had lunch, you worked for half a day, nobody ever works on New Year's Eve, it's pretend to work. So what other activities? You bought some gifts, belated Christmas gifts. Uh, what is it you did today? All the activities have no meaning. It is time that gives meaning to each activity. There's a timeliness for each activity. There are fitting moments and unfitting moments to do exactly the same thing. So let's just say your son or your daughter just got their PSLE results. And guess what? Though they are the pioneer batch of this new PSLE scoring system, your son or daughter miraculously passed. <laughs> they not just passed, they aced the exam. And then for a moment as you get the results, right, you celebrate. Then immediately after the momentary celebration, you say to them as a mother, you say to your son as a father, let's go and buy the assessment book for secretary one. I mean, it's the, <laughs> it's the wrong time to buy the assessment books, right? He just got his results. So Lok Hien Yu is world badminton champion, first Singaporean. He beat the daylights of the top six en route to that title. As he arrives back at Changi Airport, do you give him a garland of flowers or you send him a wreath? There's a time and season for everything. You, both are flowers. One is you put on somebody to celebrate. The other is you, put on, you give to somebody when they pass away. It's both flowers. The same activity, the timeliness of it really matters. And so, wrong word, wrong action, wrong time, wrong person, untimeliness. Right word, right action, right person, right time, timeliness. Very important. So a time to love. Did you read? Did you read? Every year, the Straits Times has the top 10 nominees for Singaporean of the Year. Have you read that list? Hey, what do you all read? Uh? I mean, you sit there, really? Uh? There's such a thing. Uh? Singaporean of the Year. There is. You should read it. Right? And so, one of the top 10 finalists was, was caught in this incident. A car had skidded at an underpass at Seletar Expressway, smashed into a wall. The female driver lost consciousness and smoke was seeping out, uh, spewing out everywhere. Johnson Cha was driving along. He saw the car and he stopped. He pulled over his stop. He opened the car door through the shattered window and the driver, uh, by that time, the driver had, had regained consciousness, a, a, a woman driver. He helped her up. And then, thankfully, another driver stopped, a Malay man, Asli Abdul Shukur. He stopped his van, and then he helped Johnson and the lady into the van. And as they drove off, the car that smashed into the, into the expressway in the underpass burst into flames seconds after they drove off. What do you call that? Timeliness of love. Right word, right action, right person, right time produces timeliness. What about a time to hate? I can understand there's a time to love, but what about the time to hate? What do you mean? When children are sexually groomed, 
on social media, and then finally preyed on by pedophiles, is a time to hate the person who groomed them and exploited them. A man came up to me after a conference. I've shared this many times. He says, I know. You just spoke about love. It's a Christian conference. All pastors speak about love. They always speak about forgiveness and new beginnings. But right now, I don't feel like loving. I don't feel like forgiving. And I ask him, why? Because I just found out that my brother-in-law, all these years, when I left my two children with him to come to Christian conferences or go to church services, he was systematically molesting my children. We would be immoral not to hate in those moments. In that sense, it's a right time to hate. Hating in these cases are neither right nor wrong, but there is a timeliness for it. To not be worked up when somebody is being bullied on an MRT train. Do not be worked out when somebody is being bullied in school. Means that you have no moral fibre in your being. There's a timeliness, a fitting moment, a seasonality to love and to hate. That's what it means. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Which leads us to a very important gospel lesson. It is timeliness, not time, that gives meaning to our activities and our relationships and to our life. You take away timeliness, there is no meaning. It is purposeless. So, timeliness is everything. Timeliness makes us. Timeliness builds up. Untimeliness breaks us. Timeliness makes life progress in the direction God wants it to progress. Untimeliness of thought and word and action makes us regress. Timeliness heals in thought and word and deed. Untimeliness of thought and word and deed. You say an untimely word to your son or your daughter. You say an untimely word to your father. It sickens him. It drives a knife into his heart. For having loved you all this time, of having sent you overseas to study, and you dare to twist that in and say that to your dad and say that to your mom in a moment of self as a teenager or as a young adult, timeliness heals, untimeliness sickens. Timeliness accelerates God's purposes for our God-glorifying life. Untimeliness disrupts God's purposes for God's glory and leads us into Satan and sin in your life and my life. You know, the history of this goes back to what? The history of untimeliness. God created Adam and Eve, created a whole world for them, trees that were pleasing to the eyes, good for food. And it should have been a beautiful time at the end of Genesis chapter 2, right? To say, now is the time to worship God who, who created all things for us to rule over. But in Genesis chapter 3, Eve listened to Satan. And instead of being a time, a t the right time to praise God, the right time to worship God, the right time to trust God, her insecurity about, oh, there is one tree. And the fruit of that tree, when you take of it, your eyes will be open. It was a really untimely time to doubt God. 
God had created the whole world for them. How could they ever think it? Untimeliness winds back the purposes of God for God's people, for His glory. And so it says in the second part of chapter 3, verse 11, also He has put eternity into man's heart, yet so that he cannot find out or fathom what God has done from beginning to the end. You and I have a sense of this. Everybody has a sense of this. Everybody has a window to this. A window and insight of what? That time is outside of you. And time is outside your control. The only thing you can do with time is read time, tell time. You can't create time. You can't shorten time. You can't lengthen time. You can only read it or use it or abuse it. And after a while, you should get an idea. This thing called time, this thing called time, it's outside us and outside our control. This thing called time is not from me, it's from outside of me. It comes from someone greater than me and wiser than me and bigger than me. So as we swing on this pendulum of time, Time to be born, time to die, time to cry, time to be joyful, time to dance, time to refrain. As we swing, we realize, what should you realize? That you're not self-made. That you're not self-ruled. As you swing from these different seasons, you should realize you are not God. And that should lead you to two choices. God has done this. Why has you put you, why has God put you on this pendulum of time? God has put each and all of us on this pendulum of time so that we would rightly fear Him. Ecclesiastes is what we call a wisdom book. And the definition of wisdom from the Old Testament to the New Testament is the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of, the man, fear of man is the beginning of foolishness. You want to write that down somewhere? If the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, the fear of men is the beginning of foolishness. The times in which you were really foolish in your life, thought the wrong thing, said the wrong thing, felt the wrong thing, did the wrong thing, is because you feared somebody. You didn't fear God above that somebody or something. And so what does this fear of God mean? Fearing of God is wisdom. Wisdom is the fear of God. It means this. We must choose. Let's go backwards. Right. We must choose. We either submit to God, His time, or, or we subvert God, His time, and His purpose. We must choose. That's very, very important. You have two choices under God as you live with time. We either surrender our life to God, His time, His control, or we sabo God, His time, His control, and His purpose. So I ask of you who are tuning in to this, which one are you? How have you lived 2021? How have you lived all the way to 2021? And how do you want to live from 2022 onwards? Let me ask all of you here. You surrendering to God? Or are you sabotaging God? And because it leads us to a very important thing, that God has the rightful control of your life. And God should have the masterful control of your time. I coined this many years ago. 
please take this down. You don't have the rightful control of your own life. And you are not a master of your own time. Whatever you want to do now, you just do. No, you don't have the right to do that. Only God has the rightful control of you. This is what it means. So we must choose either to submit or to subvert. If we choose to sabo God and not live under God, His time and His purpose, this is what will happen to you and me. Moreover, I saw under the sun, in the place of justice, there was wickedness. In the place of righteousness, there was wickedness. This is a picture of humanity. You and me, if you choose not to give God the rightful control of your life, the masterful control of your time, you take things into your own hands and instead of finding paradise, finding happiness, your life will be filled with wickedness, your life will be filled with unrighteousness. That's a promise. And so, one year, the Nobel Prize, which is a very huge award, given once a year to the top people around the world in all the different fields, the Nobel Prize for Literature, literature, went to V.S. Naipaul of India. Did you read V.S. Naipaul's confession? His marriage failed, and after his marriage failed, he frequented red light areas, and he considered from that point of his failed marriage that having a relationship, right, um, he considered visiting red light areas, a convenience and alternative to having a relationship which took too much time and too much effort. He did not have time for that while writing great literature. Here is one of the greatest literary minds of a modern-day world, helping us think, dream and hope of a better world, more cultured, more civilised, but he got no time to nurture loyal, faithful, one-man, one-woman relationships. If you choose to sabotage God and His time and His control over you, instead of creating a utopian world, a paradisical world, a world of happiness and prosperity, you will find a world of wickedness and unrighteousness. And so, why is it we don't know what to do with our time? Why is it we do not know what to do with our life? Why is it we do not know how to handle our accolades? Why is it we do not know how to handle our pain? Why is it we do not know how to handle our love and our pains, our love and our hates, our marriages and our breakups? We don't know how to handle all those things because we don't know God. Godlessness leads to untimeliness in all our relationships, in all our emotions, in all our activity. That is time and life. Now, what about time and Jesus? How did Jesus respond to time under God? And so you read the Bible passage. What was it? The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, 
to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. Goes on. He rolled up the scroll, gave it back to attendant, and he sat down. The eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him, Jesus, and he began to say to them, gathered in the Jewish synagogue, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. This is the beginning of Jesus' public ministry. And how does Jesus begin his public ministry? He goes to a Jewish synagogue. He reads from Isaiah 61 verse 1 and 2. And as he reads from Isaiah 61 and 2, it's all about, take a look at the verse that I bold for you. Put in bold letters. It's all about time. And the time word there is fulfill. Fulfill has no meaning apart from time. And so it's very important that Jesus' life and mission is filled with God's time. It's a time marker. Fulfillment is the timeliness of God at work on earth. When God works according to His divine clock, He's not one moment earlier, nor one moment late. And Jesus teaches us three lessons about God's timeliness. He says, today, today, which means this is the present fulfillment of God. This is the now fulfillment of God. Today, this scripture is fulfilled. And what is Jesus saying? You read Isaiah, they are looking forward to the coming of the Messiah. And when the Messiah comes and ushers in the Messianic age, what will happen? God will send the Messiah to proclaim liberty to the captives. That means homecoming for the exiles, liberty to the, to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, physical sight, spiritual sight, giving sight to us. I, I could never see God, but last year something happened to me. I hear that so often. I, I didn't see God until something happened to me. Spiritual sight to set at liberty those who are oppressed. And so Jesus is saying, this scripture is now fulfilled. It is present fulfillment. This scripture is personal fulfillment. The spirit of the Lord is on Jesus. And Jesus says two more things. He has anointed me. He has sent me. The fulfillment is all about him and his mission and his work. And thirdly, it's a gracious fulfillment to proclaim the year of the Lord. The year of the Lord is the Jubilee year. You know what Jubilee year is? Seven times seven, the 50th year, God in His kindness, among God's people, the Israelites, the Jews, in 50 years, what might happen to you? Let me ask you. In 50 years, what might happen to your life? Will you be rich? Will you be poor? Will you be healthy? Will you be... Will your children work in Singapore or will they have to go and work like the Filipinas around the world and work as different workers around the world? Many countries send their workers to work as construction workers. Do you think one day you could work as a construction worker in China? When this was proposed by our founding prime minister, when he saw the rise of China, he said, if we don't catch up with China, in about 30, 40 years' time, we Singaporeans have to go and work there. When he first said that, they thought he was joking, Mr. Lee Kuan Yew. How many Singaporeans now work in China? 
and in professional jobs. But in 50 years' time, do you think our children might be still be working in professional jobs in China? You never know. In a 49-year cycle among God's people in Israel, some may have faced misfortune. Some may have faced different things. Their life went backwards. It's God's gracious way to give Israel a new start. If you fell on hard times in the 49 years, you faced some misfortune, there was some injustice, there was some oppression, God, by the 50th year of Jubilee, wipes all things clean and everybody starts at the same point again. And so when the Messiah comes, everybody has the same blessing. Everybody has the same favour of God. What do you call that? It's a gracious fulfilment. You add it all time, add it all together, it is now the, mess, the Messiah's time, the Messianic age. It is Jesus' time. He turns the worst of times when we live in rebellion against God to the best of times when we are saved by God. It is present fulfilment. It's personal fulfilment. It is gracious. God didn't have to act towards you, Lak Yong, in graciousness. He didn't have to act towards me, Chris, in graciousness. He didn't have to act towards you, Anne, in graciousness, but he did. So the day for reversing injustice with justice, the day for reversing wickedness with righteousness, for the day of reversing sinfulness with godliness has come because the coming of Jesus 2,000 years ago put the world on notice. God will do something. God will do something about the pandemic. He should do something about the pandemic. He is God. Or there are bigger things for God to do than just to solve this pandemic for us. God will do something about your perpetual addiction to rebellion. God will do something about your pride. God will do something about your sinfulness. He will. And it's the coming of Jesus. So Jesus came from heaven. He came from outside time to be bound by time. And when Jesus came to be bound by time and space in the human body, how did he live his life? He lived his life according to Ecclesiastes chapter 3. He accepted God's rightful control of his life and God's masterful control of his time. How do you know that? Four markers in Jesus' life. Jesus began his ministry with, listen, Behold, the kingdom of God is at hand. At hand is a time thing. The kingdom of God is about to break in, about to break in. That's a timing thing. Jesus discharged his ministry with, recorded for us in John many times, my time is not yet. My hour is not yet. My time is not yet. And finally in John 13, the hour has come for me to love and to love you to the end. Jesus ended his ministry with, it is finished. What kind of word is finished? It's a time word. And last but not least, he encourages us, the church, with what? No one knows the day or the hour when he returns. What do you call that? He ends his ministry telling you and me, about time or timeliness. So the wisest thing you can do now, the wisest thing you can do now is to listen to God's Son 
and to repent and to live wise lives. You have no more right to live your own way. You have no more time to do your own thing. You write those two things down. You have no more right to live your own way. You have no more time to live your own way. You must see all things and live all moments through Jesus, the cross, and through that cross to eternity. We just met up with one of the members who migrated overseas and came back and is chatting about her work and her work overseas as a vet and sometimes vets, you know, that treat pets. Um, when the pets die under the care of a vet, the pet owners can get quite disappointed. Disappointed is a very light word. The pet owners can quite, be quite angry and livid and blame them. And then she went on this uh, vet chat group, right, supporting each other in their, in their occupation. And um, one person posted, one vet posted, that for a pet owner whose pet died under his care or her care, every anniversary on the death of the pet, they will send a reminder to the vet for killing their pet. I mean, we sit down here thinking, but you know how traumatizing it is for you? If you are that vet, some of you are doctors and some patients die under you. And Singapore, when I first started, you know, so happy country was not in our mind. You go to America, it's so happy country. And the smallest thing, you find a lawyer, they'll sue the daylights out of you. We're now becoming so happy in Singapore. Anybody fall short professionally will sue the daylights out of you. Ask yourself, every anniversary of the death of your pet, you're going to traumatize the vet? How long are you going to be angry? How long are you going to be unforgiving? How long are you going to live blaming others? I've told you the story, right? I went to speak at a church camp and this man came up. I spoke on anger. I said, the message really struck me. I said, it's not my message, it's God's word. Right? Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Do not give the devil a foothold. The devil works really well on angry people. The devil works really well on proud people. Do not give him a foothold. Shut the door on him. Shut the door on Satan. So I asked him, how long have you been angry? He said, 25 years. Without betting an eyelid, he can remember the moment he got livid with his boss who did something against him. 25 years is a long time to get angry. If you don't place your anger, you don't place the loss, you don't place something against Jesus and the cross, it will become bigger than anything. It will consume your life. When you sabotage God and His rightful rule over you and His masterful control of your time, your life and His moments will blow out of proportion. You remember Philip's testimony that began our time together? I hope you do. And Daniel the son could not imagine his father going to jail at 66 years old. Can you? After working all those years, the last thing you expect, you want him to retire and to retire well, the worst of times, but it became Jesus' time, Messiah time. That the worst of times under Jesus' Messiah can become the best of times. And if the testimony showed one thing, is the importance of a father-son relationship. 
the importance of good dads and good dads teaching their sons and sharing godliness to their sons. Last year's testimony was also Daniel at the church camp, you remember? Daniel struggled all the way academically in school. Barely made it to ITE. Right? And so he shared his testimony. His parents gave up on him, but they never did. Lah. Then finally, Daniel went to Bible college. And then firstly, he did a certificate, then a diploma, and then he came to see me and said, Pastor Chris, I, I'd like to go on to do my master's. Can you imagine his parents listening to that? This fellow that, that almost never made it to school is now doing a master's. Parents never gave up on him. Now the son flips over and every day he writes his father a devotion from the Bible to max out the 20,000 word count. This was Philip and Daniel's Jesus moment, a Messiah moment. Surely from four months of jail to 46 days, then after that home detention with tagging, and what does he learn? Three things. God is with me. Isaiah 41 verse 10. Do not fear, I'm with you. Second lesson, do you remember? God's word comforted him. You ever gone to prison? I hope not. I grew up with a cousin here, and at the time when we were growing up, Bruce Lee was the number one hero of our time. Any Chinese boy, any Asian boy, every day take out shirt, look in the mirror. But all like that. But Bruce Lee's body like that. Okay. But my cousin's body was like that. He would beat anyone in a fight. Anybody. He was so strong, so fast, so muscular. Right? He worked as a carpenter. One day he went swimming in my small town in Malaysia. He was swimming in the waterfall. And then as he was swimming, he found himself surrounded by policemen. He must have been thinking to himself, am I such a good swimmer? Policemen are watching me. He didn't realise that it was actually a military zone. The sign had fallen off. You can trust Malaysia. Lah, right? The sign fell off, the waterfall. So they arrested him, put him in jail. My father had to go and bail him out. And my cousin, who had a Bruce Lee body, had, could beat the daylights out of anybody. When my father went to bail him out, he was crying away. And he was in for one night. <laughs> one night could reduce him to tears. A man of 66 years old, 46 days in prison. Still a long time. It's not something you want to experience at the end of your working life. God is with me. God's word comforted me. And please don't forget, God's people, their prayers, their encouragement. What was Philip saying? He survived that. He not just survived that, because it was a Jesus moment, not I, yet not I, but Jesus with me, God with me. That's how we must live life from this moment onwards. Moment by moment is not your own. Moment by moment is to be surrendered and live in service and live in glory of God. So maybe this could be the acronym for us. Time, right? That under Jesus, we learn to treasure time, not trash time. You know why? 
Because without God, you are a master of what? Without God, actually, you don't realize it. You are a master time waster. Aren't you? If you live without God, you are a master at wasting time. Just estimate how much time you spend here doing rubbish things in a day. And all those things, you think your phone is going to turn up at your funeral and pay respects to you. Oh, you spend so much time with me. I now send a reef to you. I'm a smartphone. Right? Without God, you're a master time waster. Invest time, not spend time. So yes, you're so tired as a young mother, a young father with young children. You got one or two or three of them. And every time you think that you're spending time with your children, you're taking time away from your possible work or career, do a swap. Do a swap. You're not spending time with your baby. You're not spending time with your toddler. You're not spending time with your son or your daughter in primary school. You're investing in time. When you sit and talk to your father and mother, your aged father and mother or grandfather, and my son Hanshin used to do that. He would sit and talk to my mother and spend more time than me. Right? All that was built into him, the DNA, you're not spending time, you're investing time. And learn to make time, not delay. That means prioritise. If now is the time to go back to your family, now is the time to stop working, work from home, you need some boundaries. You need to cut off from your work and prioritise people and relationships above everything else. As the new year begins, work out what you will not do, then you work out what you do. There are some things I will not do anymore. What is it you will not do anymore? Think about it. I will not spend more than... So I was just listening to BBC with my wife and daughter in the car going out to lunch today. Right? So the BBC interviewer was saying, how much am oh, I addicted to TikTok, TikTok, TikTok? You know, I, I set a time for myself, uh, no more than 40 minutes in the day, but I usually run to one hour. This Ang Mo man, no? Really watching this TikTok thing invented by Chinese. BBC reporter saying that. And so you learn to make time, not delay time for the things that are important. I will not, by the grace of God, do that anymore. And you learn to eternalize, not temporize time. We say this every year. How many people do you think our church members and our regulars lost this year? Up to this point, December 31st, 11-15, 2021. We counted 69. Do you think you see another Christmas? Do you think you see another year? I always say this at Christmas and New Year services. What's coming up next year for you? What sickness might strike you or your family? Do you know? Who among your loved ones might pass away in 2022? Do you know? Do you care? Are you planning for it? Are you praying about it? Which relationships might seal up, be reconciled, and which relationships might break up and break down? Do you know? Do you care? For some of us, for 68, 69 of our members and our regulars, this is the first Christmas and the first New Year without a father, without a mother, 
without a brother or sister or child. So for Elder Wing Po, this is the first Christmas and New Year without his brother Wing Kiong. And I knew the two of them from their student days in Sydney, Australia. Shared the gospel with them. For Mr. Song Sing Hua, this is the first year without his beloved wife, Pat, whom we call Pat, Auntie Pat. It was Song and Pat that came by God's grace to start the Golden Group Ministry. You know, about 20 years ago, ERPC was growing 500, 700, with lots of people joining us, mostly in their 20s and 30s. The number one group we were missing were elderly folk. So I had to try to increase the age by inviting Mr. Song and Pat to come and start Golden Group. For Yuan Min, this is the first year she's his father. For Anne's Ensai Stanley C. First year they're missing the father and mother. For Denise Ang, the first year, first new year, without the husband, Alan Koo. You want me to read the rest? For Sujanti Pranoto, first year without a father. For Lawrence Lee, he lost both his father and brother. For Annabelle, she lost her father. For, Li for Lin, Lin To, she lost her father. And it goes on. Will you treasure or trash time? Will you invest? Will you make time, not delay? Will you eternalize or just temporize time? It's very important. And so you have a choice. You either humbly submit to God and His rightful control over your life by accepting Jesus as your Saviour and Lord, who will teach you to master your time and not squander it. Or you can choose to sabotage God and His ultimate gift of Jesus, who has come to save you and to delude you. To delude you, Satan will say, no, you don't have to listen to God. You don't have to surrender to Jesus. In a few moments, I'm going to ask our musicians to come forward. And as they play for us and get us ready to sing our closing song, Yet not I, but Christ in me. Every time we get up to preach is a time for decisions. This could be the many times you've listened to this message, but you never got serious with Jesus. Or this could be the first time you've listened to this, and Jesus is all clear to you. If you are in that boat, you have never, don't really know who Jesus was until you arrive at this service and heard the testimony, heard the word of God, listened to the message. I'm going to lead you in a prayer for salvation. For those of us who think that we are Christians, but we're increasingly dull to God and His timing in our life, we are no different to the unbeliever wasting it than time to be reawakened. And then for those who perhaps still you have understood but still need to know more, we give you the opportunity to find out more. 
And so we're going to pray together. The musician, come forward. I can invite you to spend some quiet moments before we usher in the new year together. You may want to close your eyes. You may want to bow your head. It's not necessary, but you may be helpful in a time like this. That God has spoken to you. That God has spoken to you in the circumstances of your life. Leading you to this service. Leading you to hear the songs. Leading you to hear the testimony. Leading you to hear above all His word. His word about His Son. And you know God has spoken to you about the wrongness of taking time and life into your own hands. And He's asking you, giving you the opportunity to be saved by believing in Jesus as your Saviour and your Lord. Seize this opportunity. Humble yourself. Accept God's offer of life and time. Live humbly. Live gloriously under Jesus. If you want to pray to accept Jesus as your Saviour and your Lord, you can pray this prayer with me. Almighty God, we thank you and praise you that you're the author of life, the giver of time. I'm so sorry for snatching life and time out of your good hands and living it my way. doing so, I have sinned. In doing so, I have offended you. In doing so, my life is broken. In doing so, I rightly deserve your wrath and your judgment. But I thank you for your mercy, for your grace, for your love, for your patience. I thank you for Jesus. I accept him as my Saviour and Lord. I look to Jesus and know that his life was lived under your rightful control and his time was given over to you. I trust in Jesus to wash away my sin, to take away your wrath and make me a child of God. I accept him and turn the worst of my times to the best of times. Amen. For those of us who profess to be believers and Christians, 
and yet our living of life and handling of time has become blurred and lazy and compromised. God is calling you to a reawakening, a reawakening that we have no time to live this way, no right to live this way. You can pray this prayer with me. Father, forgive me for not taking the life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus more seriously in my life. I confess that I live my days squandering them away. That should not be as a child of God. By your grace and now by your Spirit, help us not to waste our moments. That time is given by you for us to treasure, not to trash, to invest, not simply to spend, to make time to prioritize for the people and the things and the relationships that really matter. Help us to decide what we are not to do as your children and the things that we must do. Above all, teach us to eternalize everything that you give us and pray to evangelize and pray to spur one another on. We thank you for the testimony of Philip and Daniel and a warning for us not to waste our freedom and we pray that being freed in Christ we have the right to do anything but sin I pray that the new year will indeed find us growing in the disciplines of life our spiritual life that will please you accept our prayers and make us new in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.